Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, there's been a rise in violence in the city. We've seen Mayor Ed Ganey plead to get guns off the streets and out of the hands of people who perpetuate violence. But is there a way to step in before things escalate? Julius Boatwright is a mental health professional who's trying to make sure more Black people in the city get the resources they need to support their emotional well-being. Tuesday, December 20th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. Julius, you work directly with people that have experienced a lot of trauma. Um, You know, right now, the homicide rate in Allegheny County is the highest it's been in years. The victims range from women who are waiting at a bus stop to children. Um, So how can you help other people when things are this bad? Yes, I just had a conversation before and I was talking to somebody about just the power of really listening. Right. And we have uh, there was just a a celebrity, a DJ, Mm -hmm. uh, Twitch that that died by suicide. And everyone's like, you know, check on your strong fans. I'm here for you. Just reach out. And I respect and appreciate those things. But when people actually do reach out to you, are you really there and able to listen and to really respond in a way that lets people know that they're safe in your presence, that you have the capacity to support them? And you're not just like, you're not just saying it as lip service. So um, for me, it sounds simple, but if we really just listen to people, who are dealing with conflict or before they they engage in that that act of violence maybe we can have a chance to take them from a a 8 to a 6 and then they get to a 4 and now they can hear you now they now they can hear themselves and they're not just like all right I have to go out here and and I got to take somebody's life now now I'm more present because you listen to me and help me get present in my own self in that moment what if you or, or you know, this other person, maybe they don't have the capacity to be as much of a support as um, that other person might need? You know, I feel like with what's happening now, it's kind of like there's always like one degree of separation from a lot of this violence. And it kind of becomes like almost like background noise for us in this country. Like it's, you know, you see one and then a few minutes later or the next day, like something else is happening. Um, How are we being impacted by this if we feel, you know, numb to the constant news about a shooting or if we're recently impacted by one and, you know, are struggling to hold space for somebody else? Yes, that, that is so real. And just in some of the recent conversations I've been having, 
people have said, you know, I will, they will vocalize that and they'll say, I hear you and I want, and I want to be present for you, but I'm having difficulty even just being present for myself. And I've been having a lot of conversations about like collective care versus self-care. Mm-hmm. I think we, we, we talk a lot about self-care and a lot of people talk about collective care too, but what does it look like in that situation where maybe your go-to person doesn't have the capacity but if we if you have a collective care plan, maybe you can tap into the next person. And I mean, you're certainly a person that people could uh, reach out to. You're the founder and CEO of Steel Smiling. Can you talk a little bit about what your organization does and also where your organization comes in when um, these sorts of things happen or if someone feels like they need to talk? Yeah, so uh, we're all about Black mental health and wellness here in, in Pittsburgh and Allegheny County. Um, we've engaged with people outside of the city and outside of the county, uh, but we try to take a really a preventative approach. So in terms of training and getting uh, lay people in the community, everyday people, it could be it could be your nephew, it could be your grandmother, your brother. How do we get these folks the the language they need, the skills they need? and the confidence to be able to support their own mental health and to support somebody else's mental health journey um, or mental health needs. So not just in a time of crisis, but in an everyday sense, right? We really try to get as as up, far upstream as possible so that we're not having a conversation about how did he get the gun mm. or what, what made them, you know, have homicidal thoughts. We're trying to get upstream to say, you know, what, what does wellness look like for them as a routine? They're thinking about things from like a place of peace and from a place of wholeness and not that place of, of, of violence or, you know, having, having so much weight and pressure of all this systemic stuff to where they feel like that's the only outlet or the only, the only option for them. How have things changed, you know, since, since you started doing this sort of work? Like, what's it been like? you know, doing it now versus when you started 10 years ago? I would say one of the biggest changes has been around stigma. So there are so many more people talking about it. The pandemic like brought that front and center for everyone. Definitely. So it's mental health. Yeah. You're on Spotify, they're talking about, be- you know, better help. And ev- everybody's talking about get a therapist, get a therapist. Now for me and for, you know, the organizations doing the work, it's not just about telling people to get a therapist. It's not just about, you know, simply being an advocate. It's like, okay, now if I'm ready to get a therapist, can I pay for it? Do I have that? Do I have the technology to do therapy online? Do I even like the therapists who are out there? Mm-hmm. The, the, the wait list is all these other, other compounding challenges. So now we've kind of gotten stigma situated. Now we got to focus on access and break down what that means in terms of money, cultural competency. Do you like a therapist? Can I find a therapist? The wait list. Those are the things that are a big focus now. Do you like to dance? 
look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch, we'll mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm, because this is a theme party you want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend, and rest assured, every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. You talked about the pandemic lifting the veil off of the stigma around mental health. But do you see a connection at all between the rise in violence and what we've gone through during the pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's a there's been like a compounding effect of what people can actually take, like how how much is enough Mm. or how much is too much. And there was all this talk about like multiple pandemics. And then there was also this talk of like coming out of the pandemic. So we met like for capitalistic reasons, like society was like forced out of the pandemic, right? For survival and greed, but people are still haven't healed or processed from what actually happened during the pandemic in this new way of being with the anxieties and the stressors and the traumas, again, that weren't really processed during the pandemic. So I believe those things are having a direct impact on the violence and, you know, increase in folks experiencing homelessness, increase in mm-hmm. substance abuse and misuse, uh, increase in, in divorce rates, inc- increase in partner separating, all these things, in- increase in intimate partner violence mm-hmm. because it's just compounding. And then when you have so much pressure and so many compounding things, you may get to a moment where you have a lapse in judgment, a, a, a form of passion or something like a passionate crime that you commit, or you dis you dissociate and you're disconnected and you're you're not even in your in your in your body and making that decision. Right, yeah. there's so much of a chemical imbalance and everything else. It may manifest as a violent, an act of violence toward your neighbor or somebody else in your life. How have you seen uh, the work that you do affect people firsthand? Yeah, um, I've seen folks that have come to us uh, and said, like, I want to be a part, or I've I've heard about, like, this training program. Like, how do I get involved in it? And they specifically said, like, I only want to do it, though, because, like, I heard you guys give out stipends. You give out money. So, like, (laughs) I don't really care about, don't don't ask me to go to therapy, don't ask. And we're like, we just want you in the space because if you get in the space and you start, you build that sense of collective care, mm. you may, your progression may look differently than the other 14 or 20 people. We like to believe and think and hope that there's going to be some kind of progression and seeing those same individuals who never, never talked about mental health before now be like a part of like 
helping us run like groups. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, I remember when I came into my first class, right? So they're, t- and, and we're literally sitting there like, we remember when you came into the first <laughs> class too. And like what the energy and like, you could see people's, the, the change and they're using the language and they're, they're like, well, you know, now I'm certified in mental health first aid. And now, and I brought my, I brought my, um, it's beautiful when you see somebody, well, I brought my partner and I brought my two kids and now they're in the group and you're like, wow. Just so now it's like, they're pulling in their people and starting with it with themselves, extending it to their family. And now they're taking it back into their space. So there have been like dozens of people who have done that in that, uh, that ripple effect Mm -hmm. is like, it's just a beautiful thing to see. I hate to to come back down to reality because that is a beautiful note. But um, uh, in doing this work, do you ever do you ever kind of feel like uh, you know, kind of the air being taken out of the room? There's we know there's not enough yeah. mental health providers, or at least for the need. You know, there's a, there's just a lot of systemic issues that that stop some of this progress. Um, do you think this is like going to be our inevitable reality? Yeah, I do believe that's the that is the inevitable reality right now. Um, I, I tell, you know, our, our staff, I tell the consultants we work with, I say we are planting seeds that we may, we may not see grow. We may not see some of the systemic stuff that you're mentioning, mm. the, the 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 overhaul of like access, um, but we're planting enough seeds that at some point. Uh, it might be our current generation. It might be the next generation where we've created these pathways or we've laid a strong enough foundation so that now the next generation doesn't have to deal with this because everyone, everyone is like, we need more counselors in the schools. We need more facilities. And it's all this stuff takes infrastructure. It takes money. It takes people power and it takes time. But we, to your point, we have to be honest about the, the the inevitable reality that is today and that will likely be for the next three to five years. Julius Boatwright is a mental health and wellness professional and the founder of Steel Smiling. Thank you so much for joining us today, Julius. Thank you, Morgan. I appreciate it. A little more news before you go. The race for Allegheny County Executive just got even tighter. State Representative Sarah Namorado announced she's making a bid to replace incumbent Rich Fitzgerald, whose term limited. Namorado is a big figure in the local progressive movement, and her campaign focuses on affordable housing initiatives, human rights in the criminal justice system, and stricter pollution regulations. Unlike the county executive position, our county district attorney doesn't have a term limit, That's good news for Stephen Zappala Jr., who just announced he'll be running for what would be his seventh term. And the Carnegie Library of Pittsburgh announced its first head of inclusion, diversity, equity, and accessibility. Pittsburgh native Deborah Rogers will start the job in February. She'll work to make sure everyone feels welcome at the library and has access to its services. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the information on this show, share it with a friend. And don't forget to rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city, so we'll see you then. Oh, this kid is doing a wheelie.
I can't even ride a bike. Um, okay, he's like 11. 